The Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 81, Movies, Methods, and Movement. Five, six, seven, eight. Hi there, and welcome to Session number 81 of the Dancepreneuring Studio. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the podcast where dance inspires life and business. I'm your host, Annette Bone. How are you? And I get to share some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance as they share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you your life and your business forward. Okay, so you know if you've been listening to this podcast, what a dance nerd I am, and I am a fangirl big time of my next guest that I'm so excited to bring to you. Her name is Joanne Jansen, and all you have to do is search IMDb, and you will see her list of impressive credits. The woman has done some amazing things. And it was such a delight to have her, to interview her. And there's just gobs of goodness that you're going to get from this interview that I'm going to share. Some of the things that we talked about was the shocking statement that modern dance icon Merce Cunningham told her about her dancing and how she used Beatles music to teach her brain-damaged daughter how to talk. And last but not least, and of course, like I said, there's so much more, how she prepared for her inspiring TEDx talk. You must watch it. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, this is Joanne Jansen. I am a choreographer, movement coach, acting coach, producer on many, many dance movies. And you are listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with a Neckbone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. If you're a dancer, and especially if you are a dance nerd like myself, you are familiar with dance-centric movies such as Take the Lead, starring Antonio Banderas, Shall We Dance, starring Jennifer Lopez and Richard Gere, and Marilyn Hotchkiss' Ballroom Dancing and Charm School with Marissa Tomei and Robert Carlyle. And whether you're a dancer or not, it's likely that you've heard of movies such as Rango and the Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp, Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston, Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington, and The Mexican with Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. These are a tiny sliver of what my next guest, Joanne Jansen, has done, whether it's through dance choreography, movement coaching, directing, or producing. I'm so honored to have her on the podcast, and I cannot wait to hear everything that she has to share. How are you, Joanne? Hi, Annette. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I am so excited to have you. I was just beside myself because you've done a lot of these dance movies that I just love. Like when I found out that you choreographed Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, one of my favorite dance movies. I watched it three times in a row when I first saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love the whole, oh my goodness, the, the... adventure of it, the premise, the, the, you know, just everything was so inviting to me just because I, I'm very fascinated with Latin dancing and with ballroom. And I was very intrigued when I found out that it's based on your personal life story. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was, uh, listen, I have to tell you, it was such a thrill making that movie because it was, cause it's about <laughs> my life. I mean, you know, I was a kid, young girl and uh, my father was working for a company and they transferred him to Cuba because they needed somebody to kind of run the plant there. It was Reynolds Aluminum. 
So that's how I got there. And then, of course, we were there like a few months and then the revolution occurred. And uh, Batista and, and Castro changed places. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that sat with me for a long time. And then I just, I kept, when I moved out here, I always thought, because I had started, I was directing and, and doing opera in New York along with my dance company that I had there. And then a friend of mine who uh, had produced, who was going to produce, I should say, um, Pulp Fiction, was working on a small movie and he needed an acting coach and a coach for the director who never directed. So we reconnected with that film because we had, I brought him to New York to dance. And so ever since we reconnected, I just have wanted to do that story because I think it, you know, it's a different light on the revolution, um, different feelings now, of course. They never did all that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you're lucky you get it made in this town at all. But it was just, you know, I just convinced him just to get somebody to write it. And that's how we got to do it. Now, the actors, the main actors, Diego Luna and Romola Garay, they are not trained dancers. So you had to work with them. And yeah. <laughs> you have... <laughs> And so them not being trained, um, I know you had mentioned in previous in a previous uh, interview that it's actually easy to train actors or non-dancers to dance if they know how to listen to music. So how do you assess that and what is your process in doing that? Well, the, the thing about it is most people, when they say to you, I can't dance, it's because they can't hear the music. And then by that, I mean... You know, you're a dancer yourself. When you listen to music, you all you hear the all the underpinnings of the drums, of the bass, and everything, and that's kind of what you're responding to. Now, most people do that but don't know it. So the first thing we do is sit down and listen to music. And I can tell instantly if they're and I have them then tap to it or close their eyes, um, tap their hand to it, or close their eyes and start moving around. And just by watching them respond to the music, I can tell what I'm gonna have to do. Now Diego is really very musical. Romola was not as musical, but once she understood how to hear what was driving the music, the bass and the drums, she could get it. Because that's, that's the biggest problem. People don't understand if they, even if they just lift to the bass line or the drum line, they'll move. They just, you do. You don't have to, there's no step to just relaxed moving. You're just responding to music. So once you get them responding to music, it's half the battle. And then the rest, honestly, is, is learning the choreography. And then the hardest part is the styling, like the finesse of the arms you know, the way the hips move. But again, that's something you try not to get too into because that's quite confusing if you've studied, you know, ballroom or Latin. It's hard. I mean, even though the hips can only move three different ways, <laughs> it's just, you know, side twist and forward and back. That's kind of it. <laughs> but it's all the subtleties, right? It's, it's the, the subtleties. The, I mean, the subtleties. You know, it's the holding of rhythms. That's where it gets much more complicated, you know, because as a dancer, you understand how to hold something but still be on time with the beat or how to come in before it starts and be ready there so that you're not following the music. You're equal parts, you know, you're on equal ground, I should say, with the music. Because if it if you're not doing that, it's never as interesting to watch. So if you have to wait for the beat, you've already lost the battle. 
So that's a whole thing we go into when training people like that. So they, we had three months. I, because I was a producer on the film, I said, look, this is the deal. If you want these actors, there's no other way this is going to work. And so I had the time, at least two months, I think I had. Well, with, like you were saying, with the intention of the focus and analyzing them and figure out, figuring out what works on their body, right? Then you yeah. were able to take that time to, because I think a good choreographer, it's, you would think that it's understood that a good choreographer knows how to make movement look good on someone, regardless of whether they're a professional dancer or whatever, whatever it's called for. What do you think that, what do you think are three good qualities, I guess you would say, that that good, great choreographers have in common? Well, I think what you said is exactly true. And that's an instant assessment. You, that's why I have people, whether it's that movie or any, I'll have them listen to the music first. Because once you see them move, you have really have to scan your brain and theirs without anybody knowing it to see what you, you know, pulling from all of your knowledge of different kinds of dance because I'll mix anything in if it looks good on them what because the truth is the feeling is derived from the music when people are watching the film they don't know if they're doing a real this or a real that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I think that's that is a it's almost the most important thing is that you can assess the person you're looking at and find out through all the dances and histories what you think will make it look good and meld it to the music and the next thing, you know, is, is is sort of giving them, I'm really big on story. Like, I, I really think that a good choreographer gives them a kind of a line of thought that they should be in. So in a movie like Havana Nice, of course, you have the storyline. You have to keep remem- reminding the person what that is. I'll make a whole book of the script with different tabs and where they are in each place in the film, because if they don't they're so worried about learning the choreography that your job is to keep them in the place that they should be in to make the movement and the choreography look good. I'm so glad you talked about that because I found that really, I I really resonated with the fact that you talked about using storyboards in your work. And then also an analogy you had given that I absolutely loved in another interview when you said that when you're working with, whether they're dancers or actors or, or other people, that you said that it's important to be present, of course, which, you know, I totally get that and paying, you know, really paying attention people that you're working with. And then you said, oh gosh, I love this. It's like getting on their train and taking a seat. I love that. Love that. <laughs> I forgot I said that. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I was like, oh, I resonated with that because I pictured you getting in the train, sitting down yeah. and just being totally present and observant, taking notes, assessing. And with the storyboards, you know, I thought, oh my goodness, that, that's a just fantastic. Now, is this a skill that you, did you just think of it? Oh, you know, I'm just going to do stories or did you... How did you, how did this come about that you were going to use storyboards and and use the the story as a basis for your work? You know, it, it's funny. I have worked with when I was in, that was when I was in New York with, with my dance company, and it occurred to me, watching it that watching any of the movement that what was engaging was that there was some real relationship happening, and so I talked to my lighting designer, and we came up with the process. I said, I'm going to make say maybe six, you know, different pieces of movement. Totally unrelated, just what I like to go with the music. And then what I'm going to do to make sense of it is make the storyline above it 
say, just listed. So they're two separate things, basically kind of how you're recording. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you, you get on an editing day with that material. You put the storyboards up there and then you decide where those phrases of movement should go according to the story you're telling. And he and I did that in, in editing bay. And it was astounding the results and how much more sense the dances made. Just because, and you know, look, it's in my brain. I get it. It's in his brain. But once it is in your brain, and then you put those pieces to that section. And after that, I would make the dancers mess with those sections of movement, like do them backwards, do the whole phrase on the floor. Then I'd reshoot that and see if it still worked in the story. And what happened when I do that then, whether or not, doesn't even matter whether I'm right, wrong, or indifferent. I have the same story very clearly in my head when I'm watching the dance and can fix it from there. That's how I started that. And of course, with film, you know, you do get you get storyboards. I didn't realize that till I got into film. <laughs> ah, so it served you very well. Oh my, yeah, I love really that. Did. I love yeah. that. Just because nowadays I feel like. There are a lot of talented dancers and choreographers that kind of just throw things together. And it's great for entertainment value. For myself, I love a story behind choreography. I love that it came from somewhere, that I feel something from someone, that it's not just about how high the leg can go or how far Ugh. you can bend. Although I love that stuff too. I, I, know, know, I love it. But just yeah. having that story, that intention, the emotion, everything behind that, I just it just brings everything much more to life, for me anyway. Well, I'll tell you, the thing about it is, is that even though somebody else has made that story for you, your brain still goes on a party. It still will because you now have engaged it in a different way. It now doesn't have to figure it out from scratch. There's something there. So then your own brain will add even more story to what you're watching. I, I remember I was taking company class with Merce Cunningham. Mm -hmm. He just he just liked me as a dancer and I don't know, he just thought he thought it was funny. So That's so cool. Oh, that's so fantastic. He says to me, you know, you should never dance with me. I said, what, what are you talking about? Because you just have too much passion. It's going to be wasted. I don't even allow that in my dancers. And he said, I love that you have it. If there's ever a lift to be done, I always have you try it because you will just go with total abandon. But he said, that'll kill your spirit if you dance with me. <laughs> Is that hilarious? Oh, and he was my. happy. He wasn't, he wasn't being critical. He just thought it was so. So, I mean, I kind of got hints about it. You know, when people would tell me, because I was just, I don't know why. I mean, why I just felt so important to me, you know. And I think it was funny because when I was dancing with Dan Wagner once and I was going to do a solo that he was iconically remembered for doing, I was really nervous. And and I said, I, I'm going to throw up. I don't know how to go out and do this. He said, I said, they're all going to be expecting what you do. He goes, Joanne, no, they're not. You're a woman. I'm a man. And he just looked at me. And then he said, look, just Walk out there like you're going to the deli to get a sandwich. And I went, oh, I can do that. It changed the whole thing. Hmm. And I learned to do it very specifically as opposed to my doing my own little in my own world. It was very interesting. He, he was a smart man. That's a really great piece of advice. Do you feel like with these actors that you've worked with that don't have dance experience, are they really nervous or do you oh. teach them something, you know, yeah. do you get them through and then they're not nervous anymore? Does, is there a process to that or are they well, always just nervous and they just do it? I, it, it would be. No, there, there's a, that's another part of the process. I mean, usually I sort of goof on myself and, 
let them laugh at me for a little while. And that, that helps a lot because then they, cause they, you know, you're coming to them as an expert in something. So they feel like they're way below the level that you are. So you just try to humanize and talk. I talk, oh my God, I'm so bad at that. Watch me fall trying to do this or whatever. Or I think I can remember. What did I say I said? What did, you, what did I tell you to do? I'll do stuff like that because they're paying such close attention. They remember everything I say. So this way it gives them a chance to see that they have skill and that's part of the skill that it takes, you know, to dance. So that means, you know, again, it depends on the personality. Mm -hmm. You know, some people when we're shooting, I don't even say a word to until after they've done it and don't go in and whisper a ton of things. Because I just, I remember one time I was working with Jennifer Anderson and Kevin Costner. She had brought me in to do this film and, um, I just stood there far back, let them do what they did, blah, 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 because I know, you know, they're being filmed, for God's sake. What you, how much are you going to tell them at that point? It's kind of the party's over, you know? And she comes off. She goes, see, isn't she great? She leaves us alone. Ah. Now, yep, boy, I never forgot that. Because too much fussing is just, the, you know, they're, they're talking. They have lines. They're trying to remain in character. You know, I'm trying to give them stuff that lets them remain in character. Very important thing uh, also, by the way, for a choreographer to do, because otherwise it looks like you have paper clothes you put on them as opposed to letting them live in the character they are. That's another it, great analogy. Wow. Yeah, it, it does. It doesn't work. Otherwise, you've got to really be sensitive to that. I mean, not that you can know how and you can't say, how do you interpret this character? Like hit you in the head, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but you have to see how they're playing it. And then you have to believe that the way they're doing the movement is very accurate to who the person they're playing is. And you have to really not try to shift it or move it because you think it would look better another way. Deadly. Just deadly. Did you discover this at, you know, all these things that you do to adapt with working with dancers and non-dancers and whether you're doing the movement coaching or actual dance choreography, did you learn this through your years of dance training or like the adversities that you had gone through, all of it? Where, where did, how did this all come together for you? Annette, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could. Certainly, I can say it's all of the above, but as to the specificity, you know, it could be because of my daughter who is brain damaged and they said she'd never talk. And I taught her, I figured out a way to teach her to talk, learning Beatles songs. And I was getting my doctorate at that time. And then it was also going back to dance late. I'd started in New York City Ballet, left for many years, got all these degrees, had my daughter. And dancing was the thing that kept my sanity back by doing it again. And I'm, it's got to be all of it. And also, by the way, I have a feeling you're either is or you ain't. You know, that's just who I am. You know, I, I think that people listen. I have a certain kind of patience and a certain kind of impatience. And it mostly has to do when somebody won't put themselves fully into it, which never happens with an actor, by the way. Never they're so good at that. But I think it's, you know, it is diversity and it is, but, you know, some people are just born with the ability to stand on two feet, look at somebody else and not get nervous and talk all the time and let them just be. And I think that's 
you know, part of it. Why do you think that actors are so much more invested than dancers? I hate putting it that way, but like you said, mm. in your experience, they're they're completely committed. Whereas with dance, and I've certainly been guilty of this, and as a matter of fact, my trainer told me, you have this habit of marking too much. <laughs> so, you know, I'm in, I, and I realize that I do. And it's not for not because I'm lazy or anything. But what do you think that is? Why? Why is it that, a, you know, an actor can be 100% committed and invested, whereas a dancer can, even though they work hard, that might not be the case. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, it's a couple of things. I think one, first of all, when you're recorded on film, you can't change it. You don't get a second chance. It's there for the rest of your life. When I'm working with kids, I'll often say, guys, you've got to work harder. I mean, like, say, 10-year-olds or something. I said, because when you're 40 and you look back at this, you're going to say, oh, I wish I would have done it better. Well, you're not going to get that chance. So don't live your life that way. You aren't going to get it better. And the other thing I always say is, you know, dance is a stepchild of the arts in the sense that you can't buy it. You can't do anything like that. So you don't ever really make any money dancing. Not really. And and I think in our culture, that's, I don't know. I don't think it makes you mark. I mean, I, for me, I just knew that I don't think I ever marked a rehearsal because I knew it made me better. It's like Barishnikov used to do a, a two full-out performances of any piece before he danced it on stage behind the curtain, because he knew the more relaxed and tired he was, the more he'd have to pull out from himself. But I do think actors realize, because it's the truth of it, then they film it. That's it. That's posterity. Dancers don't have that because people don't go back and look at it. I mean, listen, when I'm using dancer dancers, you know, that's the first speech I give. Please don't ever market rehearsal because it makes me very uncomfortable that you're never going to rise to your best ability when we shoot it. And, you know, that's it. I, I think that's the reason that actors are very aware that this is posterity. You know, look back and not have to go, ooh, I should have done that better. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. It's on camera and it's, it's done. Every, and, you know, by the way, actors, the other thing I think is that you know, how many, say you do five takes of one reading of something, you never know which one the director is going to choose. So you have to be fully invested for each one. That's right. That is okay. Yes. And it's a two dimensional medium. As a dancer, you think, well, when I'm in person and I'm doing it, then they're going to see it and it's going to be different. Well, I'm not so sure I believe that. I think what you do in rehearsal is what you get on stage. That is true. And I've, I've, for myself, I've looked at video of me dancing and I thought, oh my goodness, doesn't even look like I'm trying. It looks horrible. <laughs> well, that's what, ha that's how you learn it as a dancer. You look at video. Listen, even when I'm, I do acting coaching as well. And even when I'm doing that, sometimes there's just, cause these are not big stars and you know, you know they don't need coaching. <laughs> so, I'll sometimes film them and I say, you look at this. Are you interested in looking at you? Oh. And they go, no. Well, let's let's continue then. <laughs> I know it's like really because it's. I'm telling you, it's hard till you see it. It's like you just said you saw it and you go, "This sucks. I'm not doing this anymore." <laughs> you know, you have to see it, and and actors see it all the time. 
So I think that's part of the reason. Now, speaking of seeing, I really enjoyed your TEDx talk. How did you decide to do that? And what was your preparation like for that? Was it different from any of the other times that you've spoken? Um, how was that experience for you? Well, yes, it was different than any time I'd spoken. Because the point, well, I, I, I'll only back up. Somebody, in, I didn't go after it. Somebody in New York recommended me to them. And it was the lighting designer I was talking to you about. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said, you really should have her. She's, you know, done a lot and had achieved a lot through a lot of adversity. And, you know, that's part of their thing is people who have overcome stuff in inspired ways and, you know, moved on in their lives. And so that's how I kind of uh, came to it. And a friend of mine, now my husband was great with it because I'm like going, I just bounce from subject to subject, you know, and you can't do that in one of those talks you just. <laughs> you actually have to have a beginning, middle, and an end, and a circle that ties the beginning to the end. And uh, so what I did was I kind of wrote down everything I wanted to say, and then I went through it and edited it, you know, I thought it was interesting. And then the re when it really came together is when I thought of the matrix analogy, which was you have a choice, you want the blue pill or the red pill. Yes. So that's why, and, and because I was going to first show some of the choreography that I'd done, even though I hadn't done that, I thought, well, this will be a good way to get into it and then tell all that. And then at the end, which is why it makes sense to me is to say, okay, I hope each of you pick, you know, whatever pill was the right pill, <laughs> you know, because that's what I would love to leave you with. But I'll tell you something funny. I get there and I'm really nervous. And, you know, not nervous in a bad way, excited, but really wanted to communicate well. And so I said, can I please see the space that I'll be speaking in? Because, you know, unless you're a dancer, people don't get that. Right, yes. So I got there. I got on the stage. I walked back and forth. I, I found out where the lighting was really going to be coming from and all that. And then I went home and I said, I felt much better. And I went home and said, idiot, you haven't done this in front of the mirror yet. How many years did you dance in front of a mirror correcting yourself? <laughs> I did it in front of a mirror. And then I could I could figure out how much to smile because, you know, how much teeth you put out is a big deal. And in a smile, you have to you have to grade it. And so that it's not all the same level from you for them to get information, the audience. So, you know. Then I did that, and I felt I was just like instant home. Oh, I, now I can see myself. <laughs> I know what to do with that. <laughs> but I tell you, it took me about six weeks to, to memorize it well, so it didn't sound like I was me reading memory. Because you can't have cards when you do TED Talks. You have to just speak. Yes, I noticed that. But I, I felt I really enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, I wish it was longer. <laughs> I know everybody said that when I got <laughs> off. The woman goes, I hate you. That should have been yes. longer. There's more. I said, look, I thought that's all I could do the first time out. Maybe next <laughs> time I'll make it longer. I mean, it's a lot to remember and get your brain. I mean, it's like learning movement for the first time. At first, you're lucky if you can remember eight counts. And then, you know, you, keep, you can add on and add on. But it was a new experience for me. And I knew not to overstep what I was ready to do. I was very clear about that. You know, so that was self, you know, criticism. <laughs> That's all you got, babe. Be quiet and move on. <laughs> but I loved, I loved preparing for it because I, you know, it, it was just like rehearsing over and over and over again. 
and then leaving stuff in, pulling it out, whatever. Because the more you say it out loud, the more you realize what's important information. I loved so many things you said on that talk. And I just, I loved your demeanor. There was such an ease. And I know, I know you just said you practice like any, you know, just like how you coach your clients and the people that you've worked with. But I felt immediately, I resonated with so much of what you said about how if you don't know yourself, you can't lead other people and how you found, you know, that yeah. it's important that you can find your passion through adversity and um, just how dance saved you. And I, I just, my heart was like, oh my goodness, she's speaking my language. <laughs> I resonate with everything that she's saying. And so, and then I was interested about your background, about you getting into New York City Ballet at 10, right? If I'm, you know, correct me yeah, if I'm wrong. You're correct. And then you stopped dancing about 15 and joined a gang or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was in, you know, it's New York and it was Queens at the time. Everything, everybody was in a gang. You know what I mean? It's just that I was in it before that, and around 15, my parents moved because I thought my brother and I were in too much gang activity. Now, nothing was that bad, but I, at that point, we I was like just playing a game of hopscotch, and the thing you throw around to get in the numbers was a little pen knife, and I went to pick it up, and this girl I was playing with stepped on my hand, and so I pushed her, and then she punched me and then I broke her front tooth. Oh gosh. <laughs> so my parents said, okay, that's it. No more. We're not doing this anymore. So we moved. And uh, <laughs> but also I, I didn't like where the tutu thing was not me. It was just a little too antiseptic. <laughs> I, I love watching ballet stats all I studied all the time. Even when I went back to New York to dance because I know it gives you an astounding, you know, basis for your legs and your hips and everything. But, um, you know, we moved then and went to St. Louis and from there to Cuba. So, I don't know. It's an it was an interesting time in my life. I mean, I would be, I was more of a character dancer just because that was my lines and my spirit, as Merce said, my passion. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing to have for him to say that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wasn't. I wasn't the cool cucumber type. <laughs> so, did you get oh, back? Into, I wasn't sure if did you get back into dance after your daughter was born? Yes, yeah, after uh, because I couldn't. Rem as I said in the talk, I couldn't remember anything else that made me happy at that mm. point. I was so miserable, and I thought, okay, you know. All right, we gotta try. So I started taking class, and I was an undergraduate at the time. And um, you know, the teacher looked at me and she said, "What are you doing?" I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "You're just like blasting everything. Who are you so mad about?" And I went, "Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> the world, <laughs> you know, whatever, my lot, whatever." But I had some great teachers. They really. You know, they made me look at things. It's like I was taking class with Viola Farber once. She used to dance with Merce. And um, she came up behind me. And this was when I, well, probably, when I first went back to New York, probably, yeah. And she said to me, and she always really very supportive. I, everybody liked me. I was lucky in that sense. And she whispers in my ear, you look like you forgot why you love to dance. And I thought I would die. Oh. Hmm. I thought... She says, you're not here. I don't know what you think you're doing. And it, it, it was astoundingly effective what she, that she said that. Because it 
you know, I was always a person who could be there. But if I was feeling sorry for myself or wished my life had been different, whatever, who knows? You know what you do as a 20-year-old. But it just brought me right back to reality. Right here, right back. It was amazing. So I've been lucky that way. So that's why I know, I think that's probably why I'm good at inspiring kids, anybody, whether it's acting, dancing. I think I'm not afraid. I'm not even afraid. I just will say what I think. And, you know, if you can't handle it, you probably shouldn't be here. True. True. You just, you shouldn't be anywhere. Who do you think is going to take care? I had one kid, I was coaching him for this film called Max, which was directed by Boaz Yakin, and I do all his movies with him, whether it's acting coach, choreography, producing. And the kid, I looked, I met him for the first day, you know, and he never, he read the script, and I said, what's it about? He had one sentence. I said, wow, dude. (laughs) (laughs) One sentence. Okay, it's a story about a dog. Uh, No. Yeah, these are war dogs, and they attack. Oh, very complicated. Then I said, why do you want to do this thing, acting thing? He looks at me, he said, I want to be famous. And I said, well, you're fucked. And, you know, he just looked at me. He's like 14. I said, he, well, what do you mean? You know, I mm-hmm. said, because that's going to get you nowhere. Mm-hmm. One, you're not that good. And I just said, so I will say stuff like that. And he wasn't. I said, you know, what? What you want to be famous? What do you expect your own brain to do with that? You're not leaving it anywhere to go or grow. You're dull. You're boring. Now you either start working, go home now, read the script, and you better really be able to talk about it. Because what the heck is going to be in your head when it comes to acting across? And we were actually coaching for a filmer who'd be across uh, Will Smith. I said, "What are you? He's going to he's going to uh, dismiss you so quickly. It isn't even funny. This is not a game to him." So it was rather interesting, and I think that's where that lack of fear because it doesn't occur to me that it's a bad thing i've been told lots of things to to sort of wake me up and so that's what i do basically Mm -hmm. you know is try to wake people up (laughs) (laughs) hello the alarm has gone off it's over it's it's easier to take the path of least resistance when it's just it's just naturally easier to do that and i just i love learning about how these actors that you've worked with are just because they're really good at what they do. I mean, we see the finished product, whether it's a movie or, you know, a show or commercial, whatever, but you don't realize the, the intensity and the focus and then having people like you to come in and refine that. I just think it's so awesome. And I think just that whole process of all of that coming together is beautiful. And, and that's why we get to see all this wonderful work. So I, I, I think it's really exciting. Well, I do too. I'm glad you find it exciting <laughs> to look at. It would be awful if nobody did, I guess. But no, I, th- I honestly think that people respond to that, whether they know what they're responding to or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think that's the thing. And, and, and there's nobody I know who doesn't want to move people when you're doing creating, whatever. That, and in some way, some emotional feeling attached to it, not an intellectual idea of it. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that that's why I love doing it. Do you have a secret in terms of staying on top of your game with all these things that you do, all these hats that you wear as a creative entrepreneur? Well, you know, I, that's hard for me because it's natural for me. And so, like, if I, for instance, if I'm doing all the choreography movies I've worked on, I stay in touch with all the producers that were on that. That I, that I got along with, by the way, not just all of them, because if, unless you connect and feel something, nothing's going to happen. 
So if I've connected with somebody, I stay in contact with them, you know, and I've, I've told this to many people. I said, you know, they go, how do you get to work? Smart? I said, you got you to gotta put your face in front of people or remind them who you are. They have a lot on their brains. You know what I mean? It's just like, I think that's a big deal. And I think my enthusiasm when working sort of makes them remember that. And you know who else I get hired from a lot is first ADs will, will say, oh, I know somebody. She's great. She came into a situation and she made it okay. Like that. I think that's the secret is never sitting back. And I'm always telling choreographers, you know, say if you're on a project together, I think, get in there, stand by the monitor, watch what this director is saying. Don't ask him to re-explain it to you after he's talked to his producer about it. Be there. Hear it. Go fix it. You don't need his approval. You know, oftentimes, even on Pirates, I've worked with Gore a lot. He'll go, you know, make it like this, and he'll make a hand gesture. I don't ask him 50 questions after he does that. Never. I just, well, okay. He's trusting me. He made a movement. I know what that movement, the feeling for that movement is. I know what that means, and I'm just going to do that. And if he wants to change it, he will. He never changes it. Because if you ask somebody to speak to you in dance terms, good luck if they're not a dancer. They're going to use a language that really you won't get any more information than you did from the gesture with their hand. And that's the truth of it. So even when I'm an acting coach, I never ask the director what he wants. I just, that's obvious. It's in the script. I just go do it. And then they go, thank you. You have to be brave. That's the secret. <laughs> you know, you have to be brave. And go in there and do it and not worried if you're doing it right. That's a bore for those people. It really is. They don't have time after they've explained it to every department. Now they're going to explain it to you, another creative that they see as an equal. You didn't get it either. It, 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 you've got to be brave and take chances. I ask very few questions. I remember we were, uh, I was working on about that first film I talked about. Where I was coaching the kid and opposite Sam Jackson. And then I worked on another film. The guy shooting that film was the guy who did Midnight Cowboy. And I, I became a producer on that and then another one. And he, he one day he looks and goes, don't bring me the AD, just bring me Joanne. Because if I tell her something, it'll actually happen. Because I may have made a mistake when I made it happen, but something happened. You know, and I didn't say to him, well, what do you mean? Do you want it this way? Do you need that? That drives those people crazy. They're flying at 3,000 miles an hour to sort of figure out how to shoot something or how to direct something. And when you ask a question like that, you bring them back to square one. That's the secret. You just cannot do that. You, it's a, again, the same observing, the same paying attention to. You have to see what each and every one of those jobs is because it's overwhelming. Whatever, whether it's a grip or an electric, it, they have a huge, you can't be asking them questions. Well, what did you mean by that? Do you want it this way or that? Oh, please. Not happening. Like when people assist me, I say, make sure you stand right by me all the time. Because if I'm by the director and the monitor and I hear the director talking and you hear him, just go do it. Don't say, should I fix that now? The train left the station. Back to the train again. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, you got to just, it's quick. It's fast. And, and if you're not comfortable with yourself, which is what we were talking about earlier, you can't do that. Because you're too worried about how people are seeing you. You don't know how you see yourself. It's an essential secret. I think that's huge. And I think that's that applies to so many other things. Everything. Oh, my goodness. Everything. It, it totally yeah. does. 
I have three oh. quick. Qu- oh, did you want to say something else about that? No. Are you no, sure? No, no. <laughs> I'm positive. I just will. Oh, no. I could. I, believe me, I could listen. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I have three quick questions I call the dancepreneuring quick step. So you just have to tell me what you think of af- right after I ask them. Are you ready? Sure. So, dance style that you haven't tried but would like to and why? I'm sure you've tried everything, but I, I was. <laughs> I have. I don't know. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, oh, God. I, you know what? I've tried everything I've ever wanted to try. Oh, what's that thing they do where they the calling calling out like in a polka thing or they call out the steps? What do you call that? And you have to just do them? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> see, here's the as I am. It's, just, it's, like, it's like country western oh, kind of. Oh, okay. I don't know what it is, but I mean, I've done country western. This is different. This is like... Um, I don't know. That's terrible. I can see. I can't think of the name. Now, is it because you haven't tried that or you like country style dancing? No, I just hadn't tried it where you have to know all the steps. <laughs> and and they go, take your girl round and round. Oh. So you're to the left and here you go. So you're responding as they call. Ah, okay. Yes. I know what you're referring to. I just don't know the name. Yeah. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> now, this I'm very interested in hearing who your favorite dancer is and why. Well, I mean, current. They're, they it may not be a lie, but I'm a Gene Kelly. Freak. Oh yes, I just love him. I love him, and I love Cheetah Rivera, yes. and I love some ballet dancers too. I mean, G- Gelsey Kirkland, and my, the my, my all time favorites is Maya Plesetskaya, who just died. She did for me the one and only Dying Swan, and you can see it on YouTube in its old film, and you can't even see the bones in her arms. It, it's just extraordinary. Dance style that currently describes your day and why? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Probably hip hop because it's just kind of freestyle and it's all over the place. And you you can start with one movement, but then something else will come up because it's just in your face. That kind of dance style is just in your face. You're always, you're, you're really having to pick up on what your own body is doing. If you're doing it solo or what anybody else is doing, it's a little bit like improv, which is, I also mm-hmm, love. Me too. Because you, you get to change so quickly and there, you don't have to create a, a logical transition, <laughs> <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> have, you, have you had to have the people that you've worked with, whether they're dancers or not, do they understand, well, dancers understand improv, but like the actors, do they understand dance improv or have you had to train them through that too? Here's the deal. You, again, you don't use that term ah. because the second you use a dance term, somebody's not a dancer. They have more questions about the language than the doing. So you use different language. So let's put this on and see how we move to it. You know, you don't. They can't usually do it without music. <laughs> Some can. It depends on how free they are. Like Vince Vaughn's out of his mind. He will do anything. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. He's just one of those kind of guys. As I said, Ben Stiller wants it all set perfectly in place. Really? I would not get that about him. He seems so loose and carefree. <laughs> well, that's what allows him to be. He feels safest having a map. Some people don't. Like, Ben, you give him the steps and then he'll put him in any order you want. He wants, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> you know, and he'll, he'll go like, oh, I like dancing with you better than Reese. He was, and I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> Did she hear that? <laughs> I don't hope, I don't think so. <laughs> but she knew it because like, look, you can do all this. And he made me be in the movie. It was for Christmases in the beginning because he, he wanted to make sure he got to 
he didn't want to dance with me. He wanted to, to riff off of my facial expressions when I looked at him. It's just he's a funny guy, you know. And, and, and by the way, he's a guy who, like, when we were preparing for this, I was kind of brought in at the last minute. He sat me down with all the producers, and this is how we decided I was okay. He said, okay, Joanne, you show us all the different possibilities of movement to all these different music. I know you don't have a partner for this movement, but just do it by yourself. And of course, for me, that was like, no problem. I just held my arms up and danced <laughs> like I was partnering somebody. But that was his test to see if I could just do when called upon. And that's hugely important as a creative person, right? Yeah. I didn't care. I was performing. I was having a ball. <laughs> okay, I'll dance. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> So, yeah, they're all different. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? I have two websites. One is joannejansen.com and one is coachingjoannejansen.com. They can email me off of those and all of that. And then I can decide whether or not to give the phone number. You know how that is. Yes. And I will definitely (laughs) link all your information and when people read your what you've done and look at your reel and they are going to be blown away and this has just been such a great it's like a master class for me i love this so thank you so much it's, it's fun <laughs> no you're fun to talk to you're great oh, to talk thanks to Joanne. You sometimes they, don't, they always don't go this oh. well <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm i'm so honored so thank you so much joanne for being on this podcast you're very welcome in it thank you I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I could talk to that woman forever. (laughs) You know, I'm such a fangirl, right? Of what she's done. And I love people that are passionate about their craft and the things that they do, their methodology, as you know. And it's so fulfilling for me to have these conversations. It just gets better and better every time for me. And I hope that you are enjoying these sessions. And I would love it if you would go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. That way I can continue improving the podcast. And I would love to give you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. You can also find Joanne's links, like I said, on the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 081. And I am looking forward to spending time with you again. So until then, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at AnnetteBone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at AnnetteBone.com. This podcast copyright by AnnetteBone.com and Dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.